We bring the news. We bring the action. We bring it live. This is 101.9 High FM. You're listening to 101.9 High FM. I'm Benji Shulman, and this is the New Blue Review. Welcome to the program. Good to be with you once again, bringing you all the best that there is when it comes to Jewish Current Affairs, 101.9 or highfm.com. Or if you're listening to us on Jerusalem Post, welcome to the show. And we have a real treat. Uh, another professor is in the studio. I think we must have the cleverest podcast in the entire Jewish world. And uh, this is a particularly smart one. So we're talking about education. So if you're not smarter by the end of this podcast, well, then please don't listen again because I'm not doing my job. We are going to be talking today about Jewish education. How is it changing? How is it evolving and where can you as an ordinary Jewish person be involved and the person we've got is David Bulchitz he's a professor at the University of Johannesburg and he is a professor of fundamental rights and constitutional law he also works at something called SIFAC which is the center rather engaged in advanced constitutional law from a Jewish perspective, he is the co-founder of Limud South Africa, and he has also been the chair of Limud International, as well as the the Limud International officer when it comes to strategic development. In his own right, he has worked in various aspects of the Jewish community, as well as Jewish education at an adult level. He's also a very dedicated vegetarian. Uh, David, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for being with us on the New Blue Review. Great to be with you, Benji, and thank you for inviting me. Yeah, we're not going to get you on vegetarian stuff because that will take up the whole show, but maybe another time. Maybe another time. <laughs> that will be excellent. <laughs> Jews and vegetarians. Uh, I did talk a little about Limud in your, in your introduction, and uh, perhaps people are not sure what it is. Uh, perhaps just give us a bit of a background. Uh, we're not going to talk too much about the organization, but Ready for people listening in the show, I want to use it as a platform to understand where we're going as a journey of Jewish education and how do we get the Jewish community more educated about its culture and its roots. And I think it's important to get a background about what is the organization and what is it all about. Absolutely. Benji, Limud actually has its roots in Jewish education as a focus. Um, it, one of the inspirations for it was CAGE in the United States. And a number of educators went to that conference and came back to uh, England and decided they're going to try and do something a little bit different with Jewish education. And they put on a conference in 1980. It was a relatively small conference. But they decided they were going to explore the full range of Jewish experience from religion to national components to culture to music to philosophy, to everything, and include that multiplicity and therefore have every kind of hour, let's say, about five different sessions, different streams, and see how that connected with people. Um, it was also going to be a, a environment in which people really build the organization themselves from the bottom up. And it was going to not be specific to any one denomination, to any one point of view, but really go across the range of those um dimensions. And uh, what happened was it was an extraordinarily successful event. People loved it, the initial group, and then it grew and it grew. And, you know, 10 years later, we were in the thousands of people starting. And then eventually, it's that model of education, which was exciting. It was something that people wanted to to learn to be part of this experience, um, essentially spread across the world. And we'll talk about that as well, I know. 
Well, that is a very interesting aspect, is that it has gotten a, a sort of global Jewish footprint. How many countries does it operate in now? So now, at the moment, it's in about 44 countries with 84 groups. Of course, there are multiple groups in certain across the world. And when we're thinking about Limud, we often divide into regions. So just to give your listeners an understanding, there are Limud groups in Latin America, in North America. We then have a whole Limud component in the former Soviet Union and of Russian-speaking Jews across the world. We have across Europe, both Western and Central East. Eastern Europe, Israel, um, the UK, of course, where it founded, and then uh, where we're speaking from, um, South Africa and the African Asia region, um, which includes, and Australasia, of course, which includes Australia and New Zealand. So it's really across the Jewish world, and this is a model which is somehow um, reflected and touched a chord in Jewish communities across the world, and people have wanted to replicate it. Very quickly, talking about Asia, are there Limuds in, is it India, China? Absolutely. There's actually a, a Limud groups, uh, they hold, held a Limud group in China, um, Beijing sometimes, they hold it in Shanghai. There's also a Limud group in uh, India, and there's a historic Jewish community, in fact, in Mumbai and from that region, and so they hold Limud, uh, Limuds in India as well. So, in fact, Asia, and uh, I was recently in Singapore, and they were discussing an interest in it. So, it's a kind of a model that is, is, is people, people are being attracted to yes it is very interesting and and interesting that you know the jewish community is so focused on education uh as as a goal and a value i remember i, I have been to limuds and i brought someone along who i thought would be interested in the model from a, a non-jewish perspective and they said to me that this is very novel for them the idea that people would get together to learn for learning's sake it seems strange to them. <laughs> well, it's very interesting. Of course, Jewish tradition and Jewish history has a very strong emphasis on learning and education. And we know this goes back to the center of our culture being around text, around Torah and Talmud and around, you know, and, and of course, more modern times, we have literary components. So Jewishness has been very much com- com- engaged with issues of learning. But I think what's interesting about Limud is it's not only there's, of course, a strong component of textual learning, but it seems a lot of it is experiential learning. Um, it's learning and listening to music, right? Listening sessions, hearing different forms of music that exist in the Jewish world, experiencing art and the new forms of Jewish art, etc. And um, so it's not just if people are thinking it's a dry conference where we just sit with multiple lectures being delivered by people from the front, that's not Limud. Limud is engaging the people, engaging people in a form of participative learning. And it's something I think we're going to engage a little bit more. Yeah, I was going to ask in terms of the idea of of how do you do education? Because if you said to most people, all right, well, come to a conference, you know, it's about Jewish learning. I think it, it is difficult for people to conceptualize what that means. What kind of Jewish are we learning? What kind of learning are we doing? And and one of the key things that uh, sort of Limud puts out is that it is a very specific kind of form of learning. One might argue that it's got a bit of a, a modern tone to it around how you how you engage. Talk to us a little bit about that because some parts of it I think are classically Jewish in 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 how the pedagogy, if you like, of the learning, and some of it I think is is a bit more of an innovation. So I, I think the listeners would be interested to hear about that conceptualization. 
Absolutely. I think Limud is, and that's one of the things that it's touching. I think it's, it's touching this chord in modern Jewish identity because it's connecting with things that are in the modern world, uh, which we relate to. And of course, education must connect with how people integrate information, integrate ideas, and Limud seeks to do that. So, so you, you want to go a little bit more into, into what do we do? We don't, we're not actually prescriptive of the exact way in which people, um, must learn. But one of the key things is that there's choice, right? There's choice. So people People can every hour choose different things to go to, okay? And in those sessions, there are different formats. But importantly, one of the important things is one of our things is we focus very much, and Limud is founded on a set of values, right? And we, we can talk in more detail about that. But when we talk about learning, one of them is every everyone should be a student. So we're actually kind of engaging with the question of people must learn. And anyone can be a teacher, Right, so we're actually trying to empower people to teach as well in the community, but also that ethos comes into the way in which learning takes place in the session. So it's very rare for Limud to just have one hour of a lecturer speaking or a presenter speaking directly. Um, for that full amount of time What usually happens If you engage in text Is there's already Once you started Within 10 minutes People are kind of engaging And asking questions And debating And of course If there is sometimes A historical lecture For example uh, Or session Would be better uh, uh, Done through someone Presenting something Initially There must be time for questions So the kind of notion Of putting up uh, We often call it The sage on the stage Right um, we, 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 we're, we're moving away from that It's not like there's no place for that absolutely but always the person opens themselves up to engagement and i think that's fundamental because it involves the listener the participant in a process in which they have a stake and in which they feel that they have a voice and that is a very very powerful mode of engagement what's interesting for me around that is that it's sort of simultaneously as far as i could tell kind of brings in two kinds of jewish traditions the one it opposes in the, maybe the classic Jewish style of an authority, right? Mm-hmm. A rabbi or a sage or a Talmud or whatever it is, which is kind of saying this is how it is, right? And right. now you're going to listen, which I think is perhaps something that Jews will be familiar with. But on the other hand, there is the element of the Chavruta, the element of the conversation of the Talmud, which also uh, it certainly is a similar kind of thing. And I mean, we'll get into some of the criticism, but you know, some of what you know, where there've been criticism, people have said, well, it's not. How do I say? Like, uh, it's not serious enough. It's too happy or too uh, relaxed. You you can't be learning when you're too happy. You know, it's not. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah. But I think it kind of speaks to both of those traditions differently and in the same. Yeah. We, well, we're challenging the idea that you shouldn't be happy. And really, Limud is very much about a positive Jewish identity. And I think that's another core feature of it, mm-hmm. which is, is struck a chord, is that a lot of the time Jews have been used to being forced into uh, an identity because of what other people define us as or anti-Semitism or negative things. But Limud actually saying, well, why do I want to be Jewish? Like, why would I, why would I connect? And it's people coming on around the world, coming to a weekend – paying for that weekend and wanting to kind of connect. And there must be something that it's giving people that's enriching and engaging in that respect. Now, as you say, I think it's a very interesting thing. You mentioned the Chavruta tradition because the Chavruta is one where uh, many people might not be familiar with, but it's this kind of study partner idea that when we engage, let's say, with the page of Talmud, uh, one person, let's say, reads it and the other person uh, listens and, and then they start debating and discussing what really were they attempting to get at? How uh, is this a conversation? 
convincing argument. Uh, what does the other sources say? And there's a sort of, there's a real engagement again of the learner in that process. And I think Limud very much is inspired by that Chavruta model. We in fact have Chavruta sessions at the big conference and at some of the conferences around the world where people learn together. But also I think throughout there's a sort of ethos of you're a valuable individual whose opinion matters, who's on a journey to engage with your Jewishness, and we want to hear what these ideas are meaning to you that you're hearing. Mm -hmm. And in that process, everyone learns as well. So actually there's a richness that comes from the continual engagement between people. Now, another aspect which I think is significant is a nonpartisan approach or maybe a cross-communal uh, view of uh, of the organization and the the conference itself, which has also I think caused uh, when I talk about criticism something else that's that's been controversial in terms of it, in that you do have different uh, streams of Judaism that perhaps traditionally either didn't want to learn together or study together or actively opposed it, uh, you know, and 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 not just at a religious level, maybe at an ideological level political whatever it is that actually are, are kind of welcome or at least allowed to to be there and and somehow has to deal with with this diversity of jewish opinion particularly at the moment in the world in general but i suppose in, in the jewish community as well is something which a is perhaps very difficult to do but b perhaps very difficult to maintain how do you get this cross-communal, cross-generational discussion going in a, such a fraught moment, I think, in, in history and in Jewish community. You know, Benji, it's one of the great successes of Limud that it's provided a space which is founded on values in which people from all parts of the Jewish community can come and they can have difficult conversations at times. Mm -hmm. So as you know, the Jewish world is very strongly a lot of division of opinion around questions around Israel. Um, in South Africa, at least in my experience, it's one of the few spaces in which you can have a rather complex conversation. You can have different voices and it doesn't degenerate into a slanging match, right? And that comes from creating a certain environment in which it's safe to engage with ideas. It's safe to listen to other people and people are fundamentally respected. You're absolutely right. Limud, one of its foundational values is about including the full spectrum of Jewish identity, right? And that includes different denominations in Judaism. It includes different opinions um, and different ways of being Jewish, right? Also, people often forget the people who are Jewish in a secular way, right? And they find a sort of cultural component to their Jewishness. Um, and so we have one of our core values is that we, we speak about arguments for the sake of heaven. We recognize and appreciate that arguments for the sake of heaven can actually make a positive contribution to furthering our education and understanding. And we don't want to delegitimize or legitimize any particular view. Um, what we insist on, though, is a atmosphere of respect, right? And people have a choice. They also will know, in the usually in the program book, booklets, they will know where someone's coming from. You're not forced to sit through anyone you don't want to listen to. If you decide to go and listen to them, you're asked to listen to them in atmosphere of respect. Sometimes you're going to be challenged by what you hear. You can challenge them back, again, in a respectful way. Um, but you don't have to. Limud also doesn't expect everyone to agree with everything they hear. Limud is also about people. We talk about it wherever uh, you find yourself, Limud will take you one step further on your Jewish journey. Now, people's Jewish journeys are different, and they will have strong views about what their Jewish journey is or not, as the case may be. We don't expect you to agree with everyone else's 
um, Jewish journey. What we do expect from you is to respect their journey, right? And that's a big important distinction. And I think it's one of the source of some of the, the tensions that have arisen around Limud. We're not asking you to give up some of your deeply held beliefs, okay? We're not asking you to say, oh, any form of Judaism is okay. You may have strong views about what is correct and what's not correct. But all we're asking for you to do is to respect other people who also have strong views in their own in, in their own way. And this, I mean, I think is a fundamental uh, result of really the impact of the Enlightenment on Jewish communities. Because the Enlightenment, we know in many ways, free Jews, uh, you know, and to, to, to be fully part of society. But uh, what it also did is it, it meant that um, we, we recognize some of the basic found, foundational principles of liberalism, that we can, we can respect people's freedom of speech, we respect them, that to differ from ourselves, um, and we're able to live in a society where there's difference, but nevertheless, we can hold on to our own views. You're listening to 101.9 ChaiFM or ChaiFM.com. I'm Benji Shulman, and this is the New Blue Review. And we've been talking to Professor David Bilchitz. He is involved with the Limud organization, and we are discussing what does it mean to have Jewish education in the 21st century? What are some of the trends and what are some of the challenges when it comes to keeping Jews educated? When you have two Jews and three opinions, how do you make sure that they all stay in the room? We bring the news. We bring the action. We bring it live. This is 101.9 High FM. Now, David, one of the things I wanted to pick up on is this aspect that you talk about. You said the Enlightenment and liberalism. Uh, very much 21st century kind of projects, universalist type thinking. And one of the things about universalists is that they tend to attract anyone that's – be open to anyone who, who wants to be involved, but not necessarily uh, actually attract those people. So, you know, you could be a, someone who is – anti-racist, for example, on a universalistic view, you may not allow then racists into your organization. So there's a kind of a tension. And I'm, I'm just using the race one because it's a, a classic example. When we're bringing this down to the level of Jewish education, how do you get across the view or, or create a product or, or a movement where you are aspiring to these ideals where you can let anyone in? But at the same time, you might feel uncomfortable that they are illiberal uh, views that are coming in. Uh, maybe you're concerned that the the organization, the movement, tacks in a certain direction just by virtue of the fact of who they're letting in because suddenly you've created that space. It seems to me to be a, a difficult balancing act to make sure that this thing remains open and remains uh, you know, as broad as possible given your, your mission as, in terms of the Jewish educational issue. Product issue. Well, as you said, I mean, Limud has certain values which are based on things like respect for different uh, views. If you're not prepared to respect different views, you're going to struggle to 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 fully uh, feel comfortable in the Limud space because you, you're just not happy with the diversity that exists. So, of course, um, whenever you take a value stance, that then will will we'll have certain challenges. But we would certainly say educationally, we would want to understand the full range of views and we would want to subject them to engagement, to criticism, etc. And I want to also, I, I, you know, I was saying it's a, a result of the enlightenment and liberalism, but I actually, as I was thinking about it, of course, we have a deep tradition even going back much further where there was an understanding of what it means to respectfully disagree and the richness of preserving different opinions. And the Talmud 
Talmud is a great example. The Talmud preserves different opinions on each page, right? Even though one necessarily, let's say, won out at the end of the day in terms of the way in which the Jewish law developed. But nevertheless, we preserve the opinions because we think there's some truth in those different opinions. And what's fascinating, um, I was recently looking at one of these Talmudic sources, which showed us that the two very rival schools, Hillel and Shammai, who really disagreed about everything, including questions of, let's say, marriage, okay, they still married one another. They disagreed about what was a valid marriage, right? But they still married one another. And I think that's a really wonderful um, example for us to set that actually we respect one another so much that we're prepared to engage with one another. Um, we're not going to fully agree and we're going to hold our opinions passionately. Okay. But we, 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 we're nevertheless going to remain in the room together. And you kind of wonder, is there a, an example of that in the modern Jewish world, given how fraught we are with the uh, different issues that are going on, that idea of being able to marry your opponent ideologically, I think, a lot of people in Jewish community would find very difficult either at an ideological level or a political level. You know, I think of uh, the left and the right in Israel or, you know, it, it does seem to be something which perhaps we are struggling with in the Jewish community. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it, it's a really hard thing to maintain a community um, in its diversity or even on a personal level, as you say, in relation to who would I want to be married to or be partnered with. And so um, we, we need, you know, that, that, that's a real thing. And, and Limud actually tries to create communities um, based on that principle of inclusivity and diversity. So Limud, one of the things about it is it's not just a – an experience it's actually across the weekends or events there's a kind of sense of community that's developed and the richness of that community is in the people it can embrace and i think it's actually also it's a, it, it's you know wearing my other hats of working in things like constitutional law it's a great model for how we build let's say communities in wider societies that we all most of us today live in communities which are very heterogeneous they involve multiple multiple people and we have to find a way in which to live together even though we have very strong differences sticking with the cultural track just for a moment i mean limud has as you said spread all over the world but it's been particularly successful in russian communities and uh, in Anglo communities, uh, Commonwealth countries, that sort of thing, you, the English is the, the classic model, but it, it's kind of spread over the world. Less so, perhaps, in, in Israel, a smaller gap and, and in America. Do you think that there's something particular about the culture or Jewish identification of those two communities where it's been successful that talks to something about the, those values? Uh, Benji, I'm not sure I fully agree with your analysis because um, knowing about the Limud communities around the world and knowing, for example, Limud's at the moment got a major growth region in Latin America and it's touching according to Latin America. And I would struggle to see the, the sort of ways in which these different communities, uh, uh, you know, perhaps one might say that um, in, 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 in some communities there's a real need to experience that richness. And, uh, you know, whereas in, let's say, a place like North America, uh, you know, in particularly certain cities, like in New York, you have so much on offer. Um, you know, it, 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 there's, there's less need for Limud and perhaps more need in places that don't have so much on offer. At the same time, there's a Limud New York, and that's interesting in itself. Why would there be a Limud New York? And Limud New York also brings again together, there's, there's few spaces, even in a place like New York, that just connect people across that full diversity mm-hmm. and spectrum. And we're seeing Limud also growing in Israel and a real, real interest in Limud in Israel um, because there is quite a lot of division 
And in Israel, there's a lot of polarization in many ways, right? And let's say Haredi and secular and, and, and people don't engage with one another, right? And one of the po- potentials for Limud is perhaps can we bring those communities in some ways together, right? So Limud's growth um, around the world is, is exponential. It's fascinating how quickly it's already happened and it's still in development. And so we need to see how where it's going to go. But you were asking what were the grounds of the success of Limud in many ways. Um, I think it's it, it's that point I made earlier about connecting to something very deep in modern Jewish identity. There's no one thing that we you you get a choice. Um, there's respect. There's a challenge in a safe space. There's a community founded in diversity. Um, there's a questioning and openness. There are multiple formats um, and all these things. Um, there's an intergenerational component, which is wonderful. There's also a stimulation and innovation. So people feel they can come to Limud and they can create a bottom-up community. And I think that is th- – those are some of the foundational things that are, are, are leading to its success. Now, one of the other aspects which I think certainly American observers have found quite interesting is in many ways the American experience – as I've seen it, is uh, one of a community that's highly professionalized. You know, there's a lot of strong workers on the on the campuses in the community. You've got these amazing organizations that have these strong communal workers that 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 drive the agenda. And what particularly I think Limud UK has been successful at, uh, or in Limud in general, is the aspect where people are paying to come on a weekend and are volunteering and are not being paid for Jewish service. And that definitely struck a chord with, with a lot of people. And there aren't a lot or if any, I think, actually paid officials who are running this movement around the world. So what does that mean, first of all, for how we engage our Jewish communities? Does it help? Does a volunteer ethic bring in young people, for example? And w- and the other side, perhaps, does it then limit growth of, of the model? Because it's difficult to get volunteers who can, you know, spend so much time and put together. The, the conferences are enormous. They're nine months of planning, you know. So I'm very interested in the extent to which we can rely on the idea of volunteerism as a solution for Jewish problems and and as a, a way of, of, of creating a Jewish experience. Well, the volunteer ethos is essential to Limud because it basically creates events and communities that people want. And it's really the volunteers who create those events. And if they want to hear someone, they can invite them and they can, they can ensure that it happens as they want it to happen, right? And we always say if someone complains about something, well, we say to them, come in and you do it differently, right? Because it's your community. It's something you can be part of. So it really creates participation. But it, we also aim to empower volunteers. And also, um, it, of course, people are driven often by passion. You've got to, like you said, manage a massive conference. And there's got to be some kind of passion, something you really want to do. Um, and that's a great motivator. Of course, there are problems as well. Volunteers have got professional lives. They've got jobs. Uh, where do they have the time? They get burnt out. Uh, all these kind of questions. Uh, you know, we need new volunteers all the time. And these are kinds of questions which are, are make, may make a volunteer model difficult. But also, um, what we've found is communities are often quite sustainable and new people are coming in because they buy into Limud. Um, 
Of course, as you say, there are different models, like a professional kind of model uh, where people are full-time. Of course, you can then say, you're an employee. We want you to do this. Um, but, of course, when it's a professional, so an event isn't done by professionals. It's done for you. You become a consumer of the event, right, rather than a participant in creating the event. And those energies that are unlocked are quite different in the way in which um, – and, and people actually – we also see learning – as part of the volunteering. So Limud is, uh, Limud is actually the whole event is a learning process for everyone involved. And what, one of the things we can be proud of is people have learned these incredible skills. They often use them in other parts of their lives, but they also use them in other parts of the Jewish community in building new things. Um, you know, like the Melton adult education program in South Africa really emerged from people involved in Limud. Um, taking it forward and, and creating it. There's a Jewish book weeks and Jewish festi- uh, film festivals and other things that have emerged from Limud from that spirit of we can do it. We've got the potential. We don't have to ask anyone and we can create the real community in which we believe. And what's interesting about a whole lot of those is being really that what's come out of them has been kind of cultural, right? And mm-hmm. for me, I think in the last maybe – 50 years, the last century, the two driving aspects of the the Jewish conversation has been something religious or, or secular religious, some that argument, that clash, and is, issues around Israel and its creation mm-hmm. and uh, people who are for and against. And uh, certainly, uh, you know, I can only talk from a South African community perspective, but those seem to have been the two things that kind of driven the conversation. What you're talking about here, the things that are spinning off from Limud, certainly a lot of the people who are giving sessions, is that it, there's a more cultural element to it. Uh, there, you know, certainly if you go there, you'll see the religious elements, you'll see the Israel elements. But there's a lot more of this Jewish culture, almost for me, the kind of things that you might have seen in the 1900s around Yiddish or around, you know, right. that sort of thing. And I'm interested in what does that mean worldwide that, that the Jewish conversation is turning, that there is sudden, suddenly this – element of culture that's come into how we talk about things and and what we do. You know, I think it's very interesting. Um, It reflects an idea that was uh, put forward by a very famous rabbi and philosopher of the last century, Mordecai Kaplan, who spoke about Judaism as a civilization. And he saw it as involving so many different components um, and it couldn't be reduced to a religion or a nationality. You know, we often at, at youth camp, people ask, you know, is it a religion or nationality and all these kind of questions. And actually it's broader and bigger than that. And, um, and so what you, I think reflecting is that Limud re- engages those, that full range of Jewish identity. Um, and I think that's, uh, you know, a, a wonderful dimension that actually it allows for the exploration of, let's say, food. Okay, right? I mean, people don't like, you know, going to sessions about like, let's think about the way in which is there a distinctive Jewish food, right? Or and then going all the way to something like art and music and theatre, and um, you know, really trying to encourage. I mean, like in a place like South Africa as well, asking questions about like. Is there some kind of particularly South African Jewish identity and what emerges from that? Like, is there a interesting cultural uh, creations, new music, new plays, all those kinds of things? And I think as a result, that's also one thing that's very seductive about it is its um, innovative, creative dimension, which comes from that spirit. But it is a, is a question for me. It's, it's interesting because I know people who've kind of been invited to Limud who are not, say, members of the community and they kind of look at this and say 
this feels a bit strange. You know, I grew up in a completely secular world, uh, and I suppose, you know, these were people who were fighting against kinds of racism and, and all these kinds of things and saying it makes me uncomfortable to think about Jewish cultural ideas as as being kind of marked off. And this this feels a bit chauvinistic to me, you know, somehow to be spending a whole weekend just thinking about stuff that's Jewish on a, a very broad, you know, level to the extent that, you know, are we talking about something that's Jewish food is, you know, is kind of maybe, you know, the Jewish, Jewish, Jewishness and the elephant, you know, what, what do they have to do together? Right. And can we, can we put them together? Is, is there a risk of that, that there's some, somehow a, that, that there is this idea that it's just a kind of strange obsession with culture to the exclusion of all else? Well, I think I, my sense is Limud is a very open community and we are infused, certainly in the diaspora communities, we, we are very engaged with the communities in which we belong. And I think it's a really exciting thing to um, you know, to, to try and integrate those differing identities. But we also should be unashamedly a unapologetic about saying we're proud of our Jewish identity. We want to explore the different dimensions of Jewish identity. Our vision of Jewish identity generally in Limud is a non-exclusive one. We can we can engage with the rest of the world. We can be respectful of other people. Um, but why shouldn't we have events, learning around our, the amazing rich culture, religion, heritage that we have? It's an incredible gift and we look at that as positive, positively and want people to really develop that identity. You're listening to 101.9 Chai FM. I'm Benji Shulman and you're listening to the new Blue Review on com, or if you're listening to us on the Jerusalem Post. Uh, good to have you with us. And we've been speaking to Professor David Bulchitz. He is uh, the Strategic Development Head of Limud International. And we're talking about Jewish education and where it's going and you know, what is it doing and what are the innovations and how can people get more involved? We bring the news. We bring the action. We bring it live. This is 101.9 High FM. I'm interested in that, what that aspect that you spoke about, you know, this attracting people to Jewish civilization, being proud of uh, what you've done, etc. And, you know, I would like to find out it's still different from, say, a classic religious idea of Kiruv, the idea that you go out there and attract people to the religion. Mm-hmm. You, you almost, if someone didn't know anything about Jewish or Judaism or wasn't interested, it, it would be a bit of step to get them to Limud because it's does not going out there to get people. And I think that's w- worthwhile to have a conversation around that. That's absolutely right. Limud doesn't seek a specific outcome. It's not saying we're going to make you religious. We're going to make you in a specific way. Okay. What Limud wants to do is it wants to create an opportunity for people to come and experience the richness of Jewish identity. Now, of course, our hunch and many of us involved in Limud really want to stimulate a very exciting uh, uh, sense of Jewish identity and a richness which gives people positive reasons to be Jewish and to connect with that. And we find people who come to Limud events generally do find it very stimulating and engaging and, and deepen their Jewish, Jewish journey as we talk about it. So um, we don't – we're not – a missionary organization. We're not seeking to make you into a certain way. And we, we recognize that you may choose a path of your own. That's not a bad thing for us. That's a way in which you're going to express your own identity. And um, what's important is that you, you find a way, you find an opportunity to explore the various dimensions. Like one of the biggest challenges really for um, 
the modern Jewish world, right, is people who are not at all interested, the unengaged, right? And um, one of the things we want to do is we want to say if this is something that's valuable, if it's worth carrying forward, um, this is this is an, we want to show you how amazing it is, how incredible Jewish identity and culture can be, and we think Limudivin does that. And it is interesting because people will come and they'll say, "Well, why would I want to spend a whole weekend just learning about Jews?" It doesn't doesn't initially strike people as being interesting, and then when they get there, suddenly there is this awakening, and do find that they get into an argument with someone who perhaps <laughs> they'd never met before or wouldn't want to have met. And that kind of stimulates them to get involved in other stuff or or even not. Sometimes people get very specific and they're like, you know, they just want to go listen to every political talk that there is on the program. And to the exclusion of all else, that's what they sort of consume at, right. at, at, at the organization events. And that's perhaps another dimension that you say, Benji, that uh, people who might have a very particular focus, we're not going to judge you. It's your choice as to where the focus of your identity is. But Limud kind of invites you to be a little bit experimental, right? And to say, well, you know, I've gone to our eight political talks. I actually kind of would like to listen to some Jewish music tonight. Or maybe I'll go to that other session on, you know, um, archaeology. And it helps perhaps enrich and broaden people's perspective as well. And I know for me, it's certainly done that. Like sometimes, you know, I would just decide I'm going to go to a session that I wouldn't expect to go to. And I learned something new. Sometimes I really don't like it. But sometimes it's, it's, it's something, it's, it's a way of being Jewish that I would never have expected. And actually it touches a chord in me and it's something I can actually say, sure, how would, how would this relate to my life and my own path? And how do you deal with the idea of quality control, right? When you have someone who is the authority – and there's a level of trust that uh, that people have in that authority, and they can say, "All right, I'm going to go listen to the opinion of this person because X, Y, and Z." Now, on a Limwood program, you don't necessarily have experts. You could have someone who's just presenting from their own experience, someone who wants to bring together two ideas which may or may not be related. Perhaps it's just experiential, you know, and the person has to take away. Is there a danger of? A little bit of information being a dangerous thing, if you know what I'm saying. So yeah. someone's gone, they've listened to someone who's read a book on a topic and then gone to listen to an hour yeah. and you've come away with maybe two people who are more informed but not as much as they should be. Yeah, so, you know, the world of alternative facts, etc. <laughs> exactly, right. You know, uh, so, so what do we do in relation to that? Well, I mean, look, we, we, we want to empower people to feel a voice that they can actually go deeper into identity and that they can actually – they can teach Jewish Things that they're interested in. And we think that's really, really important. Now, obviously, if, you know, people are going to come and present really poor sessions, you're probably going to land up with no turnout, right? Mm-hmm. No, people aren't going to come to you again if you really present a poor session. So in some ways, it's, 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 it's a situation of a kind of marketplace of ideas. To some extent, people say, listen, that person really didn't prepare. Some I, Jewish Darwinism. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I never want to go to them again, right? But on the other hand, uh, you know, we do expect people, we, we, we kind of, this is a quite a serious environment. I think there's a sort of pressure of the, of the environment to actually, you know, I know people who say we're, we're a little bit nervous to present at Limut, right? Because uh, there are a lot of engaged people there. And, you know, I've often had the stimulating experience of presenting a session and saying, you know, asking people, uh, you know, a, quite a difficult question and someone in the audience will know the answer or someone will kind of 
pick me out for not being entirely accurate on, a, on, on, on something that they knew more about. So I think what we have is quite, you know, n- not everyone, but a number of people who are quite engaged. And so I think that if you come to Limud, um, you, you know, you, you, you kind of, there's a social expectation, let's just say, that, 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 that you be prepared and that you're going to give of your best. And talking of the social expectations, it's also a case of the, what you've spoken about, the values. But when you're in the middle of a session and someone has said something that annoys you in ways that you cannot quite comprehend mm-hmm. at that moment, you know, how do you deal with the fact that uh, someone in the audience is there for the first time might stand up and just scream and shout and not really deal with the values? Because you, know, you are bringing in people for the new first time and they might not know the rules or they might just get ahead of themselves uh, despite all the work perhaps that you're suggesting to make sure that people stay respectful. It seems to me that there is a real risk with bringing these sorts of people that you will get fired with. Well, how do we create a space of respectful engagement? That's the question, right? And Limud tries very hard to do that, right? It puts around, like if you're in a lecture hall, it will put around some of the values. It will say, uh, you know, uh, speak rather than shout, uh, listen before you speak, um, engage, respect, do not insult. All these kind of things are there. So they're, 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 we, we try and kind of create that atmosphere um, when there's some Sometimes occasions where the groups are together, sometimes those are reinforced as well. Um, and there's also, again, there's this type of a social pressure that many people already understand what Limud is. So if someone is, is, is failing to respect the values, it's likely that other people will very quickly sort of say to them, you know, um, you, you're, 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 you're not meeting the Limud criteria. You need, to, you need to engage in a different way. Because it can be difficult. You do, and in terms of Limud, Almost certainly you're going to be faced with a a presenter or a session that you just fundamentally don't like and you don't want them in that space. And I think it's something that Limud kind of suffers from a lot in terms of when you get controversy happening, you know, it's the one session with the one guy who said the one thing that exploded, whereas everybody else had kind of been respectful over the whole program. And and that's the thing that kind of then gets picked up and, and, and and it is difficult even with the even presenters themselves sometimes are not really understanding of how do you get into this thing? Yeah. So we're dealing with formatting. We're trying to improve the way we educate the presenters. We also sometimes in very heated sessions where we expect the heat, we also put, let's say, a chair to manage the session. So it's not like the audience unmediated against the, the, the uh, presenter. So that there's a, an interplay between the two and that there's some management of the way in which the discussion happens. But, of course, we are dealing with human beings. Limud is a human organization. And we always say, and one, I think one of the exciting things about it is that it's an organization that's prepared to learn. It's prepared to admit mistakes. And it's prepared to try and improve on, 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 on what we've done in the past. Now, talking about controversies that have been involved, you know, the classic one that has come up is this issue of uh, perhaps very uh, strict Orthodox people who are unhappy with the fact that other streams of Judaism are Mm. sort of being given, I wouldn't want to say being given a platform, but, you know, are part of the program. And, And there's been some very hectic engagement not just in South Africa but also in in the UK and in other mm-hmm. parts of the world where do you see that debate going uh, is there an improvement is 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 it something that's just going to stick around 
going to be the great matzah debate of the 21st century. You know? <laughs> Look, Benji, we, we're seeing in a lot of places or parts of the world Orthodox rabbis coming to Limud events and having no problem with coming to Limud events. There's nothing intrinsically in a Limud event which should stop an Orthodox rabbi from coming. But as you've said, a number have a problem because there are different streams and uh, some are of the view that there's only one way to be Jewish. Now, we, we as I said to you before, we, we're not against people having a view about what one should or shouldn't do with, with Jewishness. And we're not saying to people, anyone, you have to listen to someone else. But we're saying that you have to respect um, views that exist in the worldwide Jewish community and that are different from your own. And if you're not able to do that, that's a real, real problem. And it is very sad to me that, like, for example, rabbis in South Africa, um, a country which had gone through an oppressive past, have not really been prepared to say, uh, we're, we're going to come to an event which respects all Jews in the community um, and uh, we, we, don't, we don't have to agree with parts of the community. In fact, we're going to strongly disagree, but we're going to teach. We're going to engage. We're going to enable people to access our learning. And we're going to, uh, uh, you know, uh, and we're going to sit at, at, at that table to actually say we're, as has happened in South Africa, for example, we're going to like as a rabbinate boycott an event like this. It's very, very sad because it's, it, 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 it really is incompatible, I think, with many Jewish ideas, but also with many any basic ideas underlying uh, freedom of expression uh, and 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 basically modern fundamental rights. Well, so, what's interesting, though, is that it's not is that although uh, you know there are not that many rabbis, South African rabbis, in this particular case, who are teaching because of that, there are international rabbis that are Orthodox that are coming in, and I think you will find a lot of Orthodox members of the community. Who, who, who attend without too much of a problem. This is absolutely the case. And, um, Limud goes really to a large extent to make everyone feel comfortable. One of the central components of Limud as well in observance. And one of the hard things is around religious observances. What do we do with so many diverse, uh, uh, opinions? We, Limud is a fully kosher conference, okay, because if it weren't, it wouldn't enable people with strong orthodox uh, following of halakha to come. It also asks people to respect Shabbat um, so that people who are who, who, who follow a halakhic view of Shabbat uh, also do not feel uncomfortable. And that can also make people who don't usually follow Shabbat also uncomfortable, right? So it's quite difficult to hold that space together. And I think the real question is, do we want together? Do we want to find a way to bring um, uh, uh, you know, uh, unify and bring our communities uh, together and respect everyone who exists in the community. Limud's trying to find a way through, and we really, really encourage and ask that those who, um, you know, who are open to this um, in the Orthodox community and elsewhere, um, c- come and be part of that unified mission. The other side. In fact, Mindy, I just want to mm. mention something exciting that happened is that uh, uh, Limud has actually just won a major prize called the Jerusalem Unity Prize for building unity in the uh, across communities in the diaspora, and uh, you know we hope also in Israel in time too. But it is a difficult balancing act, even on the political side. I mean, this, you spoke about the Israel, you know, debate at some point. Yeah. Traditionally, maybe mainstream Jewish organizations be very uh, very concerned about anti-Zionist views in the community, right. and you know the Jew- the intra-Jewish debate between pro-Israel Jews and anti-Israel Jews is very fraught, with both sides kind of claiming the moral superiority in the debate, and and particularly with external pressures like, for example, BDS, which then filters into the debate. It 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 really makes it quite hard to also say 
do you draw a line? How do you draw a line? Is there a line to draw? You know, how do you find within the values framework those sorts of contentious political things? On the one hand, everyone's voice, but on the other hand, what you're saying, which is about, about being proudly Jewish, about saying this is a Jewish identity and wanting to get people on board, because I, I, people really take this sort of stuff very seriously, and it can really, you know, yeah. They take it seriously and they should take it seriously. And Limud, I think, is important because it doesn't take a position. That's exactly right. why it can kind of create an opportunity for us to discuss a range of issues, right? We know uh, Donald Trump recently said, you know, one-state solution, two-state solution. You know, he doesn't really uh, care what, whatever, whatever, whatever the community <laughs> wants, right? But, I mean, you know, we then we need to kind of engage with those ideas, mm-hmm. right? And so if we, if, we, if we stuck, if we say we can only discuss ever a two-state solution, then we can – then we, we must ignore what the American president said and we, 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 we can't have those discussions. So the point is we need to have a forum which have the discussions. It might well be that everyone recognizes or large numbers of people recognize that the kind of one state idea is a bad idea, right? But it, the fact is you need, you need to have the discussion in order to expose uh, the, 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 the problems with any kind of way forward. And I mean, I think, you know, particularly um, in things like its relation to Israel-Palestine, we really want people to um, engage with um, possibilities um, and hear one another, listen to one another, and Limud provides that space in which it can take place. Without which, if we said we have this particular viewpoint, um, then no one else would come to it, right? Mm-hmm. So w- when we say we're we're broad and we're not prepared to draw lines, that we're prepared to hear people from all different perspectives, um, that then actually we have some credibility to be a space in which people can have those conversations. So just lastly, uh, to, to wrap up a little bit, uh, what is your view about the effect that these sorts of programs have had? I mean, you, you mentioned some of the programs that have come out of it. Do you think it's I mean, obviously difficult to measure, but what do you think the effect of having had these discussions cross-communally has had? Do, do we have a more tolerant Jewish community because of these sorts of programs, or is it now more splintered with more people bringing more perspectives? What, what would you say the effect of having had you know, uh, the engagements to begin with? I think we're seeing uh, there is a substantial part of the Jewish community for whom respectful disagreement is something they value. Um, that listening to a wide-ranging viewpoints is something they value. They want to experience the richness and full diversity of the Jewish world and what Jewishness has to offer. And I think that Limud's played a strong role in building that and that ethos in the community. There are parts of the Jewish community who are not interested in that kind of idea. And for them, Limud is going to be something they disagree with. Um, but it seems to me that Limud has managed to kind of help um, really provide a space for the articulation of that kind of part of Jewishness and also the excitement around it. R- right? I always say to people, if you present one idea, it's not that exciting. If I'm presenting a lecture at university, there's always got to be something that's the antithesis of that idea, right? There's always got to be something that's, 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 that's opposed to the idea and then we kind of develop our thinking. I think Limud does that by bringing cre- a creative tension together between um, different ideas, different views, and in fact, people grow through that. So that is, in many ways, the reason for the success of, of what Limud is doing. And we're really, really hoping at the international level, and this is kind of my role, we're hoping to build on those successes in the future and really contribute to the advancement again of positive Jewish identity in communities across the world.
And lastly, if people would like to get involved, if perhaps they've never been to Limud before, uh, maybe there's one in their town that they don't know about, how can they go about getting involved? They must look. Most groups have websites. They can look on the websites. There's usually a contact person. They should contact people. Um, the, the main international site is www.limud.org. Um, there is information there about different international uh, groups as well. Uh, but also look in your local community. If you're looking for Limud South Africa, put in Limud South Africa, and there will be a website will come up. And you can then... Uh, contact the individuals involved and we welcome people really to get involved volunteering and expressing um, their own identity as well as in being part of an organization which i think is really as someone put it to me is really the future of jewishness right for those who want to really embrace uh, a jewish identity that's at home in the modern world Professor David Bilchitz, thank you very much for spending time with us on the New Blue Review, and good luck with all the conferences that are going to be coming up over the next year. Thanks for having me, Benji. It's been great, a great conversation. Thank you. That brings us to the end of the show for today on the New Blue Review. Thank you so much for having me with us. If you want to scream and shout, uh, don't do it at Limud. You can just uh, email me, benji at chai.co.za, or on Twitter at at ChaiFM or at Benji underscore Shulman. We're always happy to take all constructive criticism and Twitter trolls. And we'll be back next week with another interesting uh, subject and uh, presenter on the new Blue Review. So thank you very much, and we will see you then.